Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. It is great to be back. A big thanks to William and who has returned again this week. He did an awesome job the last two weeks that I was gone. Again, thank you, William, for doing it, and thanks for joining me this week. Right. I thought I was being dragged back under the carpet. It sounds to me like you haven't actually read it. We broke the show for two <laughs> weeks, but we got away with it. So, okay. No, no, I heard no wailings or gnashings of teeth. I heard it was a great. So thank you so much for doing that and uh, for joining again. And uh, one day we'll figure out these time zones. And uh, <laughs> yes. being across the pond, it's... <laughs> Everybody else is on the same time zone. I'm the one that's not. You'd think it'd be on me to work it out, no. and I get it wrong. So Do you have one of those uh, wall clocks that has, you know, the four clocks with the different time zones up on there? Like I do, yes. Do you? <laughs> and I still wow. didn't look. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's very cool. Well, it's great to be back. And so I want to lead off with what happened on Wednesday of this week, which was the huge Twitter hacking or compromise, whatever you want to call it. There were some exclusive screenshots on Motherboard, which is the technology website from Vice. And we have covered it as well. And there'll be links to show notes for both of these articles. But apparently what happened is that hackers paid off Twitter employees either to get access directly to a administration tool or paid the Twitter employees to do this for them. But they then tweeted out from many verified accounts, high profile accounts, including Apple's own Twitter account and those of like Joe Biden, Elon Musk, Barack Obama, Bill Gates, Uber. And they tweeted out, hey, giving back to the community, whatever, send Bitcoin to this address and we will double it and either give it back to you or send it on. A very spammy looking tweet from all these companies. And so it should have been suspicious whoever had seen it. But apparently over $110,000 already in Bitcoin has been spent or given via this scam. And so people did uh, fall for it and give their money. But this is a huge breach. Twitter actually shut down all verified accounts for the day. If you had a verified account, you could not tweet uh, during the day on Wednesday of this week. And this is just a kind of unprecedented, it seems like. There's been Twitter hacks before, usually by individual accounts. But this is the first time there's kind of been like a mass uh, hacking in this regard. And it was especially strange because Apple, from its main Apple Twitter account, really doesn't tweet. They use it for yeah. Twitter advertisements and sponsored posts, but they don't tweet from there. They tweet from Apple Support, Apple News, their other various Twitter accounts. But so it was very peculiar. But this is just a, a huge breach. The fact that someone was able to tweet from Apple's account, from these other accounts, you know, and here in America, our president is very active on Twitter, as you probably know. And to think of the ramifications that could occur if his account was one of the ones that were compromised and then tweet something, you know, even more outlandish <laughs> that may affect foreign policy or relationships uh, across the world. So this was uh, just kind of incredible. Supposedly, Twitter has taken action. Jack Dorsey tweeted and the Twitter support account had a bunch of information on what they were doing. But uh, this was incredible. I mean, tell me what your thoughts were on this. Well, my big problem was I didn't know which one of them to give my money to. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's such really what was right. causing that. Otherwise, I'd have been in there. I, I don't admire people like this, but I think it's very uh, clever that there's all of this effort spent on hacking and they just picked up the phone and found somebody at Twitter to do it, if that's what really happened. Right. I think that, yeah, right. circumvent, human beings are always the weakest part and yeah, they exploited it. I, I'm guessing this can only ever happen once uh, in quite this way. 
because uh, I don't think anybody at Twitter who really did it will be looking forward to their 401k for much longer. Um, that's US financial reference there. Oh, I'm that's right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I know it's going to work with some people because that these things do. Um, their job is to convince people, so they work. I don't think people should ever feel foolish, say, for fooling, being fooled by it. These people set out to do it, and they do it very well. Uh, but I also, ultimately, it was quite trivial. You started to say that about Donald Trump tweeting, and I thought, if he'd put out this, no, I wouldn't have believed it any more than anything else he said. I would have ignored it. But then when you <laughs> say that about you know if it hadn't been this it'd be foreign policy or something the yes is gigantic right. isn't it and shockingly powerful twitter is i think it's magnified it's shown to be much yes more uh, invasive than we ever knew it's especially interesting how many politicians especially here in america and across the world kind of use twitter as their almost as like a mini press release platform. Mm. You know, there are many candidates such as Kanye West here in America that announced their run for president or announced their dropping out of the race. Yeah, many politicians use this as a an announcement tool. Something interesting that you just said a moment ago that humans are the weakest link. This breach appears to have been Twitter employees that were either bribed or convinced to do this thing or give access to this thing. And you know, at the base of every company are the human beings holding the keys. Mm. One of the reasons why I use Apple products among many is of all the humans <laughs> to trust at a company, you know, I think Apple is one of the most trustworthy. And when it comes down to it, who could be bribed? What employees of a company could be bribed? You know, you hear about some of the treatment of employees at different companies, some of it's questionable, but this is a, yeah, very eye-opening. You know, I don't know how many employees might've been involved in this, but to convince just one and then get access to so many accounts or, you know, however many they had to bribe, surely it wasn't that many. I couldn't imagine, you know, 25% of the company being involved in this. So, you know, for it to just take maybe single digits of people, maybe even just one or two to cause this kind of ruckus on a platform that we put so much weight on, uh, you know, no other real platform has this. I mean, even Facebook, who has the users over a billion worldwide, is not seen as the I'm announcing something politically or, you know, even governors and states are using Twitter amid the COVID-19 pandemic to announce what they're doing mm -hmm. and what their policies are. And many times, you know, we have a, a governor here in Florida that when he makes an announcement, he basically says, watch it on Twitter or watch it on this local TV news station. Uh, it's it's rare that you'll see any other platform kind of among those. This is where you get your news. And so policy talk about social media platforms is always around, you know, what is okay? Well, how much accountability should they have? How much they should be governed by state and country authorities? You know, I even found it interesting on Instagram. I was going through stories recently and someone was just posting a screenshot of a news article about COVID-19. And Instagram actually, the, a screen came up and blocked it at first and said, you know, we have some fact checking on this article. It wasn't even a link. It was just a screenshot of an article. And they were saying, you know, we have some information on this. Click here to learn more about this particular case or click here for COVID-19 information and linked it out to a source. And so that was very interesting. Even Instagram on a screenshot, not even a link, is kind of doing this now fact-checking, and that is now becoming an increasingly important, I don't know if you want to say feature or something that social media platforms are having to do 
with the people that are posting on it. So I don't know if you've you've seen stuff like that around social media, kind of that fact checking or whatever. But yeah, how do you feel about that? Well, now I, I'm forced to tell the truth on Twitter. It's terrible. I just you know, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I haven't hit it myself. I've been aware of people who have. I, I didn't know that one about Instagram, uh, and I, I love that technically. But I think also it's a, a, a good thing when used in the right way. I mean, if the article is legitimate, uh, should it be stopped and fact checked, or is it allowed through? Who makes the decisions of what's what awful thing for a journalist to say who decides what's fact and what's not but right. yeah there are differing opinions on practically everything and some are more valid this is a, a can open worms everywhere that's what i think definitely a pandora's box yes you know and i always find it interesting you know when you go into an apple store i've heard people at the genius bar when they say they've either forgotten their passcode or their icloud password and they can't get into their accounts and and many times apple says listen we can't unlock this for you. There's no secret key that we have here in the store yeah. or even corporately to help unlock your device for you. And so you're kind of uh, up a creek. You know, I've heard that many times in the Apple store, people trying to get back into their devices. And so I don't know exactly the inner workings of that. I would love to know if if you're listening, if, I don't know, maybe we have an Apple employee listening or if you are familiar with their security practices, if there is even a human element that creates a risk for this kind of data breach. You know, obviously through this, if the motherboard article is accurate, which it looks like it is, they have screenshots and they've had quotes from Twitter employees. But if Apple, there is no human ability to access data or unlock something on your iCloud side, iCloud data, all that kind of stuff, uh, then it removes that element of the human weakness. And so I'm very curious, uh, again, if someone from Apple is listening or if someone has a connection, would be very curious, you know, is there even that kind of backdoor that it seems Twitter has maybe wide open or maybe not, but that ability to bribe, you know, I don't know if you could uh, pay an Apple employee enough to get into a device because there's just not that ability. Uh, had you ever heard that, uh, you know, people forgetting their password and just being out of luck? I'm afraid so. I wish I hadn't. And I, I, it's good that you can't break it, but it's painful for the person involved. Uh, I think you're right about Apple, though, and the, the inaccessibility of the data. But there's also the fact that surely Apple employees are far too busy being bribed to leak uh, muddy photographs of the corners of boxes of things like that. You know. Right. But, you know, with iCloud Keychain, there's many, many users that have lots of passwords stored in there as well. Mm. And, you know, that was one of the things I use 1Password personally. We've talked about it before on the show, but... Same here. Love 1Password, yeah. yeah. But I believe they were purchased by Dropbox. Is that right? I, I'm, There's been a, a big corporate investment right. in them. I remember hearing a really detailed interview with the makers of about exactly what was invested and what it was there to achieve for. And if I'd been concerned before, and I wasn't that particularly because I, I really rate them, I wasn't at all afterwards. Uh, it made absolute sense and is ultimately good, I think, for the one password platform. Okay. It'll keep it going uh, longer and we'll wear it. So, yeah, I was completely assuaged. Is that the word? Um, I was completely reassured. I don't know. That's a great word, though. It is, though, isn't it? Yeah, let's... That's the kind of word you get when William Gallagher's on the show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it might be wrong, but it's a great word. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, again, would love to hear uh, if anyone has information more about the Apple security side of this. Uh, but it's a developing story as well in regards to Twitter. Stay tuned to AppleInsider.com as we have updates on this whole ordeal. So also that happened this week. 
Apple released iOS 13.6, iPadOS 13.6, and all the other 13 point something <laughs> updates across the line, watchOS, tvOS, macOS, namely some bug fixes, performance improvements, kind of that normal stuff. Apple car key support is now available. Uh, I know uh, William has a brand new BMW that he can use car key with. No, just kidding. Just the one. Ne- neither do I. Come on. We're a two-car <laughs> household, clearly. Okay. Right. I can't speak to the car key ability for iOS 13.6, but one of the other features, this was a rumored feature to come out soon and is now available in iOS 13.6 and on the Mac, is that Apple News has now come out with audio stories where you can, if you have Apple News Plus, you can access many stories read by professional voice actors. And so you can access that in Apple News Plus. And they now have a daily news show, an Apple News uh, news show. It's about seven to 10 minutes long. If you update your iPhone, iPad, or Mac to the latest, you go to the news app, and there is a new tab at the bottom called Audio. And it's a little unclear how you access that daily show, but it's actually, you just hit the play button in the top right corner of the audio tab in the news app. And it plays that seven to 10 minute uh, news show, kind of covers the top headlines for the day. Uh, It's really nicely produced, sounds great. And if you just want to kind of run down of the headlines, that's available to you, whether you're an Apple News Plus subscriber or not. And then it has some previews for the long form articles that you can get via audio. A nice feature is actually delivered. Does this tempt you at all, William, to continue with Apple News Plus subscription to get these audio articles? It might, if I could have it. Uh, it's only available in the US so far, uh. and possibly Canada as well, I'm not sure. But it's I ran to my phone to check it for the UK one, and no, nothing. Oh, yeah. that's a shame. I mean, I'm split slightly, actually, because you know, BBC Radio trained, love radio, uh, listen to right. Radio 4 and the news. You would think I would like it a lot, but actually I read so quickly mm. that uh, for me it's much, much faster to uh, read an article than it is to uh, ever listen to it. So I don't know, but you say it's well produced, and I like the idea of the, the news show, basically the compilation of it. So I could see me asking Siri to fill me in on that every now and again, but yeah, not yet. Nadia, okay. Well, let me know when it comes out there. But one of the other features that came out is local news channels, for lack of a better word. But you can go in the Apple News app and now follow individual cities like you running to your phone to see if you had it. I ran to see if my local news was there and most assuredly was not. Uh, This is just available in cities like Los Angeles, New York, uh, Houston, San Francisco Bay Area and San Francisco proper. And you can follow local news for those cities. They said this will continue to expand out to more cities around the country. You can follow for hyper local news, according to you. So look forward to that coming to maybe the Tampa area so I can check it out. But if you're in one of those major metropolitan areas, you can check out the local news tab. And everyone, if you update to the new operating systems, you can access that Apple News audio and listen to that daily show uh, for free right there. So pretty cool features. And again, those updates are available everywhere. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Listen, I have used all the big wireless providers, even back in the day, that singular company, you remember them. After paying so much for cellular service, I discovered that there is a better option that gives me premium cellular coverage and service at a fraction of the cost. I cut down my wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month, saving hundreds of dollars a year by switching to Mint Mobile. So if you're looking to save on your wireless bill, consider switching to Mint Mobile. Listen, it's just you and me here talking. Mint Mobile went online only. They don't have the costs of retail and all the costs that the big guys have. And so Mint Mobile passes that savings on to you. 
And so if you hate your wireless bill right now, switch to Mint Mobile for just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus crazy fast LTE. I personally use it in my iPhone 11 Pro, and it has incredible service, super fast data. I love it. If you own your own phone, keep the same phone number with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. No other cell phone company can say that they have Deadpool himself as one of their owners, Ryan Reynolds. So get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, and you can get that plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. That's mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Apple Insider. You can also check out that link in show notes to go directly to that website. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this show. So you had covered a patent that might lead to a feature from Apple Glass to a device, and especially in the regards to privacy or a privacy screen. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you covered there. Well, this is what sometimes Apple's constantly filing things, and then you never see them become products right. and things like that. But this one, I just I was riveted by this because um, it's very meant, clearly meant to be uh, uh, aimed at people who buy uh, what they Apple calls traditional privacy screens, and I've never even heard of these, but apparently you can get. Uh, a thing that sits on front of your iPad or in front of your iPhone that blocks people from left and right from seeing it. It just focuses it on you and it does uh, polarise, does some sort of thing to make it sure that you and only you can see it, except uh, anybody who stands behind you mm. can see it. It's all sort of limited and just not very effective and it adds, uh, there are so many problems and, and Apple says no, no more. <laughs> all you need is Apple AR, Apple Glasses, another device. Uh, it's going to be so that if you have all of these things, uh, you've got your iPad in front of you. And as far as anybody else anywhere around you thinks, it, it could be completely blank. But when you look at it through your Apple Glasses or by holding an iPhone over it, something like that, you see the regular iPad display. Mm. And not just the display, but uh, it recognises when you tap the controls that you, you think mm. you can see. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're just going to see people on, on trains with uh, blank iPads pretending to tap away on it and doing all this stuff. But the idea, uh, the complexities behind it, I found riveting because there's this whole thing of, because um, originally I thought this was a silly thing. If you've got Apple glasses and you're looking at information, why doesn't it just show you the information on the glasses? But the trick is that control aspect. Right. The fact that, yes, your iPad appears blank, but it registers where you're touching. So the machine knows which control you think you're touching when you're doing it. So your iPad works exactly as it normally would, but only to you. It's, just, it's fascinating how they're putting this together. That is interesting. I remember working in a couple offices and you always had that person at the corner desk, you know, the manager, and they had the, the big elaborate like dimming thing that would go over their computer monitors, usually multiple. And, uh, you know, it was just totally dark until you were at that zero degree angle where you or what a perpendicular to the screen and then it clears up. But like you said, they even have those kind of privacy screens for iPhone. You can get screen protectors that do that where the off axis is dimmed. But then it also dims the whole screen and it's not a great uh, experience. And also just if you're holding your phone at a slight bit of an angle, maybe you're walking or it's on the desk and you just want to look down at it, uh, then it's dim there as well. So 
This is a very interesting privacy feature for myself. Uh, I do have some meetings that I am a part of even now. And uh, it'd be nice to I could send a text message and not have, <laughs> you know, tempted eyes looking at my screen. It's not typically anything nefarious or as someone eyes, your eyes immediately just go to it. You know, if you see someone texting, you know, you, and it catches your glance, you're just kind of tempted to look at it. And so yeah, it'd be nice to just not have to worry about anyone looking at what I'm doing. But it's also a very elaborate feature yeah. <laughs> hardware wise in order to enable. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition. I think if Apple set out to do this, if they sat down one day and thought, right, how can we do this? Then it, this would be preposterous overkill. But it feels to me more like it's a combination of we've got AR, we have a privacy concern, we have the bits and with us, I, mean, I don't want to diminish the rest of the work, but we're able to line up things to give us this right. unexpected extra benefit. I, I, that's how it reads to me, which is great. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see if it comes. We'll see if Apple Glass comes uh, in the near future. Again, w hopefully there'll be some kind of event in September. Maybe it'll be pre-recorded like WWDC and they announce the iPhone 12 and other hardware items, the new Apple Silicon Mac, which we'll talk about in a moment. So we'll see if that event comes in the fall. Another bit of news, this is a rumor that Apple is developing a new app for Windows 10 to replace the long-standing need for iTunes on Windows to manage Apple devices. And this just makes a lot of sense. You know, they've kind of removed many of the device syncing features and backup features from iTunes on the Mac. Now, when you plug in a device, it just appears in the Finder window and you manage your device there. It's rumored to maybe come soon. So we'll see if that uh, comes. Again, look at appleinsider.com for information on that. And Andrew had an article that went up this week asking the question that both William and I are wondering too, should you wait for Apple Silicon to upgrade to a new Mac? And so again, one of the biggest announcements at WWDC was that Apple is moving the Mac to its own made Apple Silicon. And it even said that we will see Apple Macs with their Apple Silicon by the end of 2020, the end of this year. So in the next five months, we'll see these computers launched. But there might be some of you out there right now that need a new computer for whatever reason. Your old one died or it's not, it can't run the software you need. And so maybe you need a laptop or an iMac. And so the question becomes, do you push through and wait for Apple Silicon or do you just buy one now? Again, Andrew's article is in show notes. He has a video and a rundown. I encourage you to read it and watch it there. But uh, yeah, William, I'd love to know your thoughts too. For me, I'm going to hold out as long as I can. I got a MacBook Pro 16-inch a number of months ago, um, soon after it was released. And so I'm kind of set, ready to go. My iMac is a little older, and I had fleeting thoughts of upgrading that, maybe even eyeing like a refurbed iMac Pro. But now I definitely want to wait to see what occurs. But again, if you need something now, you need it, and you can't really wait for it. So yeah, tell me your thoughts, William. I think you are doing the sensible thing and that it's very easy for you to do the sensible thing because you've got a really recent machine right. for you. Yes. Um, I am also doing the sensible thing because I don't have a sensible bank balance at the moment. Um, right. So, yeah, everybody should do what we do. Hold off, wait. <laughs> I, I think Andrew makes some really good points, doesn't he, about the worth of buying a Mac right now right. Uh, I don't think even he I mean he's examined it so well but everybody is different it's going to change but I am leaning towards I think I would hold off uh, because even though some of my machinery is old and I would like to replace it I don't have to I'm getting by just fine 
yeah. with them. Uh, not thinking the current machines are good, I think I would extremely regret buying uh, a 13-inch MacBook Pro right now and then finding out in a matter of a, a dozen weeks that uh, what I bought was substantially inferior to what was that. Right. But I do like this fact, though. We know, we Apple has convinced us completely that the new Apple Silicon Macs will be better. There's nobody thinking that we're going to have lots of software problems. We probably will, but we're not thinking that. We're just assuming we're, they're so good, we want them now. And I think Apple's really sold us very well on that giant transition. So Right. And one thing you definitely do not have to worry about is if you buy an Intel Mac today, that it will somehow not be supported in the near future. Mm. That is certainly not the case. Apple specifically said, again, you buy an Intel Mac, it's going to be supported and work great for years to come. And they even have some Intel Macs coming down the line that they're going to be releasing. You know, there was a rumor of a new iMac that might have come out of WWDC. Obviously, it didn't, but that could be coming in the fall. That may very well be an Intel-based iMac. And so my only point would be, you know, the Apple Silicon, we're going to see benefits across the line, but especially in portables like the MacBook and MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air. And so if you are were considering upgrading your MacBook and can hold off, I would definitely wait on that because Apple Silicon, the battery life enhancements are probably going to be great and performant. When it comes to the desktop, obviously battery life is not a concern. And so if you're looking at upgrading an iMac, iMac Pro, maybe even eyeing the Mac Pro for a professional workflow. Yes, obviously it now is a fine time to buy one. And again, it's rumored that probably the portables will be the ones that get that Apple Silicon first anyway. So if you need that desktop, again, do not worry that you're buying an obsolete machine today. I remember my first Mac was actually the G4 12-inch PowerBook. And when I purchased oh, that machine, yeah. I loved it, first of all. Yeah, the portability and just, it was amazing. Uh, but the Intel transition actually happened right after I bought that machine. And, you know, they moved Intel uh, across the line. But that G4... The PowerBook, it lasted me a solid seven or eight years uh, after the fact, running all the software, getting macOS updates, or then OS X updates. But, you know, don't worry about buying a computer now and it being obsolete when Apple Silicon Macs are launched. Uh, they'll be useful for many, many years to come. I so love that 12-inch model. Yes. One of the... Oh, yes. Why is it that some of them, uh, some PowerBooks, MacBooks, just stand out as being the greats? And that was definitely one of them. You know, and that was, that was the last time that screen size was found in a, or an Apple portable computer. And I had some friends, too, that had the 17-inch MacBook Pro, the unibody, and that last model, I forget, might have been 2010, 2009. You know, I have friends that wish that Apple would make an app, a laptop that big, which I guess the 16-inch now is close to that, uh, but they just wanted as much room, as much power as possible, and they didn't care if it weighed, you know, 20 pounds or whatever. Uh, they just want the biggest one possible. So yeah, some of those Macs, they just, they stand out. And man, I remember that 12-inch uh, PowerBook, the keyboard was literally edge to edge. <laughs> there was no yes. no space on either side of that keyboard, but it was great. Super portable, really lasted for a long time. Taught myself Final Cut Express on that machine. Oh. Yeah, but even before Final Cut Pro, so. Goodness. That was fun. Some last things to hit here at the end. There was some coronavirus or COVID-19 news. First of all, Apple actually encouraged their retail staff to work from home uh, as much as possible and that a return to the offices probably is not going to happen this year. 2020. It'll probably be coming 2021, if not later. And so we have an article, there's a link in show notes to check it out. But Apple even said that uh, Apple Store employees uh, can have a COVID-19 test 
kit sent directly to them from Apple. So that's pretty incredible that they're doing that for their employees. Mm. Amazing that they're not even planning to return this year. Again, as cases are spiking here in America, you know, we're seeing lots of backtracking of, of opening up. And in addition to that, in iOS 13.6, one of the features that did come out was symptom tracking. And so while we have that contact tracing feature slowly rolling out uh, here in the United States, I don't even know if we have an, I don't think we have an app even available using that yet. Uh, so, you know, we don't have that available, but you can now track symptoms over time in the health app on your iPhone. This is all kinds of symptoms, whether it's shortness of breath, a sore throat, coughing, sneezing, all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of track it and see how you're doing over time. And this is kind of interesting, even outside of the pandemic situation. You know, if you want to track those kinds of symptoms and see, you know, how long does it take me to get over a cold or a sore throat? And be curious to track those things over time and uh, lots of options there. So if you update to iOS 13.6, you can go to the health app, browse and then go to the symptom tracking uh, for that. And I think William's tracking the symptom of wanting my iPad Pro. He's tracking that over time. Yeah, it's at a steady constant rate though. So uh, not a lot of movement on that uh, graph. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't change much. My hopes go down though. Right. How are you guys doing over in England? I have not seen the uh, the numbers recently, but obviously here in the United States, it varies widely by state. Some increasing, some decreasing in in positive cases. But what's the situation there in the UK right now? Uh, it's still not very good. I mean, compared to other countries in Europe, we're, we're in quite a bad state. But um, things are being lifted. Uh, the the feeling is that they are being lifted too soon. We have certain areas, there's a place near me called Leicester, um, it's a small city and it's gone backtracked into a, a deeper lockdown. So I'm quite concerned for friends there, but there's a lot of push now to get out, to use bars and things to, it really feels like the, the f- fuss is less about health and more about uh, businesses and things. And I understand the need the economy need, but there's a lot of still very scared people. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. Keep us updated. Obviously, you can get all COVID-19 news. You can go to the Apple News app. They have a whole section dedicated to it. Stay safe. You know, follow the guidelines that are being put out by whatever country you're listening from. To kind of end on a, a slightly up note, Apple TV Plus is announcing and releasing a lot of original content lately. And uh, just last night, I watched the Tom Hanks starred movie Greyhound. That is available on Apple TV Plus right now. It's a full motion picture, a World War II era uh, crossing the Atlantic story. Tom Hanks being the captain of a ship crossing the Atlantic for the first time in the Black Pit uh, under attack by German U-boats and all that. I have to say it was actually enjoyable to watch. You know, we don't have many summer blockbusters this summer as movie theaters are closed pretty much everywhere. And Apple actually said the amount of viewers to Greyhound on Apple TV Plus would have equaled a summer blockbuster. They haven't published exact numbers on that, but they said it was really well received and and heavily watched by uh, Apple users and Apple TV Plus users. So yeah, I encourage you, listen, if you have Apple TV Plus or you want to start a free trial, it's a summer blockbustery type movie, you know, especially if you're into war movies or you just love Tom Hanks, uh, either of those qualifications, you would really enjoy this movie. I have a HomePod connected to my Apple TV as the speaker. And uh, it actually sounds great that way. The movie was visually enjoyable. Um, you know, pretty simple story, not complicated. You know, Tom Hanks crossing the ocean, trying to survive. Uh, but uh, yeah, really uh, well done. Have you seen or 
been enticed by any Apple TV Plus offerings lately? Well, I'm still. I was slightly disappointed by Little Voice after all this waiting for it. But um, mm. you got me onto defending Jacob, and although I've only seen one episode so far, I think it's amazingly well done. I'm just slightly perturbed by how much Apple product placement there is in it. There's so much <laughs> yes. that I wondered why they didn't just ask Siri who the murderer was. Uh, that would be next. <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious though, about Greyhound. You said fun. I don't know why I had this impression, but I, I thought it was quite a heavy... Maybe I'm picturing Das Boat or something. I was expecting something heavy, serious, and you're saying it's well, more summer fun. I guess that was maybe a misnomer. You know, If you enjoy watching war movies, I think you will enjoy watching this. Right. It is not fun or funny in genre wise just if you enjoy watching war movies like that right. it's it's good uh, and you'll action wise suspense that kind of stuff is is done well i believe in it and uh to your point there's zero apple product placement because it takes place <laughs> in 1942 so you know you should enjoy not seeing any apple devices there okay i can i can most assure you the sonar and radar is not made by apple uh, on that ship <laughs> but we'll put a link to that but if you go if you have an apple tv now you know the greyhound is everywhere you can't not see it if you open your apple tv so yeah check it out let us know what you think if you saw greyhound or if you've seen other apple tv originals uh, again defending jacob it is a great show if you if you can power through all the apple logos as uh, william did in episode one uh, it actually is a is a very good show very well done chris evans uh, does a, a wonderful job in that show so uh, yeah, you check that out. Eight episodes. Uh, unknown if it'll have a season two. It might just be a standalone series. So you should check that out. What was it you were disappointed in? What show you said? Little Voice. Um, if, mm. Weirdly, it's uh, the very last one of all the shows that was that were announced. You remember March twenty nineteen, the big Apple event of all of these things. Yes. It was the it's the last of those to ever be shown, and it's it's nice. It's just. I don't know. I think, uh, sorry, Baraz, I was expecting something more and uh, just I find it very hard to stick with it for some reason. It's like it's a, a very gentle, um, not comedy, not quite drama, uh, just an experience with characters and the characters didn't hold me enough. So, hmm. yeah, I, I might try another one uh, again, but yeah, slight disappointment, unfortunately. And I, I think that, is that the first time I've been disappointed. I mean, there's things I don't like and stuff, but you kind of knew you weren't going to. Little Voices is as well made as all of them. Uh, Apple's very consistently strongly made over things, but this one just uh, didn't seem to land for me. But that could just be me. All right. Well, check those out. I'll put a link to both of those in show notes if you want to just jump right to the TV show or movie. And so you can check that out. And as always, thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show and uh, listen, I'm sure you enjoyed William hosting last two week's episodes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment in Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate that support. You can comment on the post that goes up at appleinsider.com slash podcast. Or you can tweet at William or I. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can find us there. You can also email feedback. The email address is there in show notes as well. Check out all the links there. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>